2: Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
3: All right, let me tell let me you my talk. Here we go. I said he living life as a gringo. Where you question where you fit and every time you mingle. They say you do this with none of that. My rapping is really bad. This life as a gringo. Yes, hello and welcome to another episode of Life as a Gringo. I am Dramos, of course. Man, I am beyond excited about today's show. Man, if you are a, a fan of, of comedy or viral videos, you've definitely seen this man's work. He plays a Creeper and does like the Cholo fit. Those are his viral videos. He also is on the Hulu show This Fool. Uh, Frankie Quinones is going to be hopping on the show in just a little bit and man um, i'm really happy to have him share his story i think it's one that's going to be just super inspiring for for so many of you guys out there who uh like me um are still waiting for your big break or or had it a bit later than expected or whatever it might be um frankie's story is definitely something that i think is gonna gonna help uh man kind of make you feel like you're you're doing okay and i'm I'm really excited to share that um also quickly because i feel like i haven't been promoting this properly and i've been putting a lot of hard work into this um my book just be the pre-order is available right now just be dot i got the physical copies in uh this last week my samples so we're finishing that up and then the pre-orders are going to be going out um being shipped to everybody within the next i'd say two weeks so go get your pre-order right now it helps me you know how many um, of the physical copies i should order so definitely definitely check that out the website is just b.nyc some dope merch on there um, we're doing a lot of really cool things with that brand so be on the lookout a lot of resources for anybody who's trying to just kind of push themselves a little bit in this world and and make some time for wellness and taking care of themselves so i'm really excited about that on the same topic uh my other podcast the street stoic Available everywhere you find podcasts, a short like ten to fifteen minute podcast Monday through Friday, combining hip hop lyrics with ancient Stoic philosophy, just meant to kind of give you that shot of inspiration to start your day. So definitely go check that stuff out. I've been working really fucking hard on all of it, um, to the point that I had uh, an anxious, an um, anxiety breakdown, I guess I should say, uh, <laughs> this last weekend. So uh, please don't make it for for nothing. Uh, I'm okay right now. I appreciate any concern, uh, but I definitely your boy just kind of cracked and was like you know what i am uh, gonna have to take some deep breaths here and and it's gonna be an early night for me because i gotta just chill the fuck out and take care of myself uh and catch up on some rest so that's what i did but man without further ado let's bring on my guest for today's show i'm really excited about it and of course we'll do it in our Mi gente segment Mi gente My guest today is a comedian, an actor, and writer whose viral videos like his Cholo Fit workouts have garnered millions of views. He also plays Luis on the Hulu show, This Fool. Frankie Quinones, how you feeling, my bro? I'm feeling good,
4: homie. Thanks for having me.
3: (laughs) Of course, man. I love it. We're we're coming live from the closet right now, which I I love anybody watching. The the video version, I love this. We're we're keeping it real low-key. I like it.
4: Right out, yeah.
3: What's up? (laughs) Gotta make it happen. (laughs) I love it, bro. I appreciate you. I mean, first and foremost, I I really enjoy the show. This fool, I've liked it since the you know you guys launched. I've been a fan, so I was really excited to to get to talk to you all about it. I think, like a lot of people, I first knew you from those Cholo Fit videos, and and uh, we've been big fans ever since. So, man, let let, let's just kind of back up a little bit, though. You know, before the show, and and the the viral videos i think is what really kind of set you off to put you on a lot of people's radar you know but i also know that you do stand up so what what kind of came first for you kind of backtracking in during that time period was stand up your first kind of love and then the viral videos came after that or was it the other way around
4: uh no no yeah it was stand up man stand up was my first love and then uh it's funny too because even today people are like oh shit he does stand up i'm like yeah right i, that's where I started but but uh <laughs> I w- even my stand-up, I do, like, voices and storytell a lot, and I was, like, doing my fan like, impersonating my family already, so it naturally just led to, like, doing character work, and then, you know, getting deeper into it, and, you know, getting into to dressing up as the characters, and then just going for it. And then, uh yeah, and then, uh you know, uh, Creeper is a character based off my dad. uh <laughs> You know, he found his groove and did the, the Cholo Fit rutina, or the routine, <laughs> and then that, that shit is that's the thing that popped off for me you know and then so uh when that when that jumped off then I was able to you know sell sell some tickets and start touring on my own and and then uh you know and then it kind of just kept growing from there cool
3: yeah I mean it's funny because we we live in a world now where a lot of people start with the viral videos then become stand-up co- uh comedians essentially right like they oh yeah they need something yeah. to then go into the real world and and, and do something with but I'm curious for you. I mean, you're you're of a, of a different generation where you did start cutting your teeth in the world of stand-up, but the world of stand-up is kind of like this very tight-knit kind of almost brotherhood, right? There's a lot of like politicking that happens, same as kind of the music industry is like that. It's all kind of everybody knows everybody. There's a lot of opinions on uh, on people who are getting popular. Did you get a lot of shit at first where people kind of were like, oh, this is just this dude who makes these funny videos and now he thinks he could do stand-up Was there kind of backlash? At oh, first? yeah
4: yeah because you know as a you know the stand-up there a lot of people in the stand-up community knew, knew me as well I wasn't a big name yet obviously but um just like the like what you said big pictures, because like you know in the stand-up community a lot of times like youtubers or tiktokers right. they would kind of you know you got these stand-ups that are trying to work their way into these clubs and busting their ass and some of them yeah. are really funny but for you know, for whatever reason, they can't move tickets and, you know, these mm-hmm. comedy clubs, they got a business to run. So these TikTokers and these YouTubers start coming in and they're packing the, selling the shows out but mm-hmm. they didn't really have like a live act, you know, they sometimes right. they just go up there and do a Q&A even, you know, at the stand-up mm-hmm. club. So you would get, you know, legit stand-ups, you know, they get, you know, they have words about it, you know, they're like, right. man, this motherfucker, you know, I'm over here busting my ass writing these jokes and yep. this dude has some yeah. viral YouTube videos and now he's just up there like doing a Q&A and so there was a little little bit of a hump that I'm still that I still have to work to get past, but but for a while it was like people were like, "Well what's he gonna do live? you know he's gonna do just walk around run around the stage just creeper They didn't know that I actually was already a stand up, so right. it took a while for people to like you know finally they started coming out they're like, "Oh shit, oh, he does have. oh shit, he does stand up like okay, and right. so i i it was definitely like a little hurdle that I had to to overcome to Prove that like I was actually a, a legit stand up on, t- on top of the, the viral video. <laughs> so I was like, Yeah, it was kind of I mean, funny.
3: It, it worked. It was backwards for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, yes, backwards from what people are used to these days. But anybody that's that's not familiar, can you kind of talk about that working stand up comedian who's just trying to like make make it, you know, what I mean, just trying to get one break, like how grimy of a life and hard of a life it is to be like that lower rung stand up who is maybe getting some bookings but you're playing you know really small rooms in like random cities uh, across the country you're making oh yeah money oh. like talk about that life because i feel like I'm not a lot we all see like the kevin hartz the world or we see you with a tv show but nobody really knows the grind that it is to be a stand-up comedian on their way up
4: yeah homie i i really appreciate you uh, asking these questions man because yeah. um like for me it was like you know there was a kind of thing oh he got lucky and made one viral mm-hmm. video and here he is and They didn't know the whole backstory like this September of this year will be 17 years since I started doing stand up. You know what I mean? So it's like it was a grind on me. And then it's like, you know, and, you know, I I remember like hitting open mics. You get that first gig or you get 20 bucks and two free drinks and you're like, here we go, baby. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's about to pop up for your boy, you know, and then. And then 10 years later, I'm 35 years old, sleeping on my homie's couch, you know, just still trying to make it to that next gig, you know what I'm saying? And so
1: yeah. it was,
4: th- there was definitely some like, you know, I'd be in, you know, little, little towns that were like grimy and, you know, I'm st- you're staying in roach motels. And I remember, mm-hmm. man, there was some hotels like we like, we'd, you know, you, you, I wouldn't, I would have to drive there. I used to work at a hardware store. And I'd be driving mm-hmm. to some small town and oh, for the weekend. And, and, you know, sometimes I got to go straight to, one time I had to go straight to the gig and then I brought my, my uh, homie with me uh, and uh, Johan. And then so we we did the gig and we didn't have time to check in the hotel yet. So we go to the hotel after. As soon as we opened the, door of the hotel, bunch of cockroaches scattered all Uh-oh. over the place. And I'm like, <laughs> I've been around cockroaches before, but this was like, these motherfuckers were running this place. <laughs> and so we had to sleep with, we slept with the uh, toilet paper in our ears and shit. Like, oh, you know, just, those, those motherfuckers will get in there, homie, in your ears. So we were like, I'm like, damn, man, and then and then that gig, that particular gig, the dude, he was like, oh man, the owner, it was like at a bar restaurant place, and the dude, he was yeah. like, man, that the owner was supposed to give me money for this, and don't worry though, I'm gonna pay you, but for now, I got we got Taco Bell in the back, man, and I'm like, this motherfucker's <laughs> paid, he's paid us with Taco Bell dog, and we gotta sleep with these roaches <laughs> and shit, like, but man. it's like, I love, uh, you know, like reliving those moments and re- and remembering those days, you know, because. It's like you you can never forget them, but it was like, you know, we, we went through that whole thing, man. And then my first big break was uh my boy uh Craig Robinson, who you mm-hmm. know from like The Office, Hot Tub Time Machine, all that. He uh I, I yeah I opened for him one time at Cobb's Comedy Club up in San Francisco, and um uh, and uh he just took a liking to me, man, and he took me under his wing, and he hit me up the following week, and he's like, you know uh you, you want to hit the road with me? And I was like, yeah yeah sure no, sure no problem, Craig. trying to keep it cool dog I hung yeah. up the phone, I was doing cartwheels and shit, like jumping <laughs> up and down and and that shit went for six years, you know, I was touring with him and uh and uh wow. yeah, so i i was you know, so i was just I was just just doing stand up you know and that and that was it and i was at that time when I was opening for him is when Cholo fit went viral, me and some homies hmm. sold the show to t b s at that time that was twenty seventeen and then wow. um yeah, and then it just hasn't stopped from there, so it was uh yeah so stand up is is really what got me uh to where I'm at today.
3: <laughs> Man, you're you're speaking to my heart because I'm a I'm a I'm a DJ first and foremost, and I remember the grind when I was playing Quinceañeras and things like that. And then uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, finally getting some of the big breaks and, and things like that. And everybody thinks you just popped up out of nowhere, you know. So I I definitely uh I definitely can can empathize with that. You you hit a couple of things though, that I wanted to touch on, um, and and you talk about Craig Robinson kind of taking you under your wing, right? Uh, uh-huh. I'm sure at this point you've seen. Uh, what's happened with George Lopez and and Ralph Barbosa, right? Where you
4: had yeah, of uh, George course, Lopez,
3: George Lopez on a podcast, kind of um, you know, throwing some shade at at, at Ralph Barbosa, who's a younger comic, you know, and mm-hmm. a lot of conversations about George Lopez sort of not being somebody who is willing to uplift that next generation and be a mentor. Um, I mean, first and foremost, I, I guess your thoughts as, as a comic of, of somebody of the community, when you kind of see interactions like this one, you know, what, what kind of is your, your reaction?
4: Yeah. I mean, you know, the thing with this thing is, is that's always been George's, Uh, you know, he's been saying that kind of stuff for years. Like, Hey, I'm looking out mm-hmm. for myself. I'm keeping the number one spot, you mm-hmm. know, in, in a way, like that's not how I, what I believe, you know, but, but like, uh, you know, he has that right, man. He did like, to me, he'll always be a legend. To when he sure. dropped the Why You Crying special, I mean, I was literally jumping up and down in my living room. And, you know, that was a long time ago. He, and that was, he was part, like, Paul Rodriguez was the first dude I saw on TV that looked like me. And then when George mm-hmm. came out with that thing, I was like, damn. he It was a big inspiration. I was like, I think I could do this shit, you know? And, um, and he just nailed every bit. I felt seen. And I felt like when I saw him, <clears throat> you know, white people going to his shows and all that, I'm mm-hmm. like, damn, man. Like, you know, we could do this. And um, but you know, for me, I'm like I'm a comedy fan first, and sure, you know, we need we need comedy to thrive, both older and younger generations, for us to be able to, to be able to do it. And yeah. to me, I'm like, it was so funny, man, because a couple people had told me about Ralph, um, mm-hmm. and then and then one of my best friends, who she's not even in the comedy world, she had hit me up. She goes, "Yo, you seen this this kid from uh, you know, he's from Texas, but he lives in New York and." His name's Ralph Barbosa. And I went into a wormhole watching like all his little clips and I was fucking dying, man. I was like, oh, <laughs> this motherfucker is the truth right here. Like, he yeah. is hilarious, homie. And like for being a 26 year old who's already pretty much made it. I mean, he's he's making money already. He, right. he has a good head on his shoulders. You know what I mean? And and but in, in, in like, you know, I'm not trying to come to anybody's defense, but. That's what George does and comedians in general on podcasts, they talk shit. And so right. in the full in the full context of the the whole interview, they were already on the subject of hey, how'd you make it and helping other people and all that. And uh, you know, Ralph just did uh Andrew Schultz's pod- podcast yeah. and they addressed that. And um, you know, and Ralph is real cool about it. He's like, Man, I wasn't even mad. He's like, they're just they're talking shit. That's what you do on right. podcasts. And George has been saying this shit for years, but it's just that that clip. Like went viral, and then when it dropped on TMZ, I mean, mm-hmm. I had everybody texting me, man. Like, you know, we <laughs> all had to kind of like, "Hey, man, what's up? Like, how we? Getting? Like, what's your right. opinion on this?" And da I was like, nobody needs to take sides here. It is what it is. I'm cool with George. You know, George has been cool to me, and mm-hmm. uh, but also I got mad love and respect for the 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 younger generation. You know, I'm 42 years old. You know, so it's like, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's you know, I come from an older thing and all that. But Ralph is like, he kind of has an old soul with it too. It's just such a He's so he's so confident up there. His, his energy on stage, he's just a great writer. I mean, right. I'm rooting for that. I'm rooting for that dude uh, all the way, you know what I mean? So, you know, and I, I'm I'm glad that George called him, you know, because George is wearing it right now, homie. They're, everybody's right. going in on him, you know, and it's like, but I, he's going to be fine, homie. You know, he's still going to film two movies this year. He's still got a TV mm. show. He's still going to play to sell tickets. But I think that, uh, you know, Ralph going out there and mentioning how George called him, without having making it a public thing He's just like hey man i didn't mean no bad da 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 and Ralph even said like damn i was starstruck when he called like right you know, right that's what he says like i don't really fuck with this comedy but i still respect him. and he's still a legend and all that mm-hmm. and uh andrew schultz made a good point he was like you know yeah you're a you're a comedian who's mexican but but george was a mexican comedian so that so so that you can be a comedian who's mexican because right. you know jo- George already did the whole like, hey, you know, this is how we do it and this is this. Mm-hmm. And then but now now, you know, now you can just come out and be just, you know, whatever. Uh, talk about whatever, be a clever writer and be Mexican. And you don't have to even address those things because George already did it for us. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I I don't know. I was just like, I love Ralph, man. I reached out to him like it was funny. Like a week before this shit popped yeah. off, I just sent him a message. I said, man, you funny motherfucker, dog. Keep going. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm rooting for you. And then, like, yeah. literally, like, 10 days later, this whole shit pops up. I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> but it's working out for Ralph, man. His following that, is, like, yeah. tripled.
3: <laughs> That's what I was going to say. At the end of the day, it, it's working wonders for Ralph because now everybody's talking about him. And then the good thing is, because he's great at what he does and he already has that catalog, people can go back and, and he genuinely can make the most of this moment. You know what I mean? And he is getting, ironically, where, uh, you know, George is not trying to kind of pass the torch. He he, kind of did it by accident by by having yes, that sort yeah. of commentary, you know. But but I, I mean, I get what you're saying. I I think at the end of the day, you know, it, it's like yeah, you can't ever tell somebody like yo, you have to be passing the torch back down, right? Like I can't tell somebody what they should or shouldn't do with their success, right? Like just like I can't tell you what you should do, shouldn't do with your money, right? That's like a personal thing, and 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 you get to do it. But I think when it comes to Latin comics, you know, and and I think in in the idea of Latin creatives as a whole then you get even bigger when it comes to Hollywood right and how many people are in that upper echelon of of actors or stories that are getting told you know um we are in a, a very distinct minority you know what I mean and I think that I would hope that people would want to each kind of do their part to kind of change a bit of those narratives and of course George just mm-hmm. by a product of his greatness right um did that and broke down a lot of doors like you're saying but I think that that's kind of where some of the sting is, where it's just kind of like, listen, we have to fight and fight and fight to be heard or to have, you know, anybody give a fuck about our stories as a whole. You as somebody who has that leverage to to create and and put pressure on people to like take notice of certain you know people who are talented that are younger or try to tell certain stories, like you're you're not making the most of it when, of course, your greatness created that, but so did also the. Community that stood behind you and said, "This is our guy, and we're gonna back him and watch everything that he
4: does." You know, right, right. Yeah, man. It, it's it's one of those things. I mean, everybody that knows me and all my peers and all that, they know. Cause to me, I'm like, dog. If there's more of us that are as funny or just as funny, then that means that people are Henta is just gonna come to that many more shows a year or whatever yeah. it is. Like, there's there's enough. There's enough for all of us, man. It's like right. But I get it, like. You know George growing up with his bitter grandmother raising him, and you know it was a kind of a dog eat doll world, you know, for mm-hmm. him. Like, I get why he has that mentality, and Hollywood can be very much that. But right at the sa- at the same time, though, it's like it's like man, like uh, there's there's like there's no reason to talk down about any other Latino or try to block their way. Yes. And and right now, all that stuff's coming out, like the steps he yep. took to make sure he kept the kept the number one spot and all that. And 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 hopefully, like, we all learn from that and, and, and you know, see what we could do. Because it's like you said, homie, we already have to work so much harder than everybody else. And yeah. then, you know, and, and, you know, it's like, which it is, is the case for, you know, more than ju- just us too. But it's like, you know what I mean? For, like, networks and stuff like that, it's yeah. like, there's there's always, like, the one Latino show a year. Right, like, you know, right. There's you never know, like
3: a too many white shows. There's never like you know a question of is this white story going to be universal enough for everybody? You know what I mean? There's never that question when something's being created. You know, but for us there is. So we have like this burden that we have to kind of fight. You know, and and kind of band together almost.
4: Yeah, for sure, man. I to me, I'm like I like nobody owes anybody anything. Like I don't, you know, uh, sure. you know, I know I'm not that big or famous, but you know i don't need to go out of my way or anything but i just it's just something i do in general mm-hmm. it's like younger comics and all that i'm like i'm here for you homie like that da, da da. it's like you know uh uh you know i i do whatever i can or give whatever advice i can and and do what i could do but also yeah you know we have our own shit we got to you know worry about and, and work on too and stuff like that but i've to me there's no reason to like talk down on another right. latino comic who's doing this thing or anybody Like, I don't I don't care if you're a TikToker that's filling the room like I'm not. How could I knock your hustle? Whether whether you you just went viral last week and got lucky. Hey, the universe, God meant meant for that for you. And hopefully Mm -hmm. you handle it the right way. And, you know, and to me, I'm like, I'm good on me. Like, I I just want to I don't want to do anybody wrong. I want to do it the right way. I want to help, you know, and then the Latino community we're notorious for, you know, which is the the thing being brought up with this Ralph and George thing is -hmm. like, you know, a Hispanic or a Latino's worst enemy is another Latino and all that. And, yeah. and that, that's sad, homie, that that's actually mm-hmm. a saying and a thing. And it's like, we see it amongst communities. Like, you know, I grew up in, 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 in you know, in a predominantly, you know, around Latinos and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and specifically the LA area. So it's like, it's most, you know, if you weren't Mexican and you're Latino, you would have to explain that. Like, Oh no, I'm right. actually Puerto Rican. No actually I'm right. Puerto Rican or actually I'm uh you know S- Salvadorian or Guatemalan or or C- Cuban or you mm-hmm. know Colombian or wh- whatever it is like you know cuz you were just kind of if you were in Khalifa Samir so and especially in LA you're just oh if you're Latino you're like uh, everybody just assumes you're Mexican. It wasn't until right. I got older and comedy took me to the East Coast and all <laughs> of a sudden I'm the minority Latino, you know? I'm like right. <laughs> they're like papa I'm like oh shit papa like what's that you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know they yeah. and then they they, they all can't they fuck with it though you know they fuck with cholo fit they don't say the t yeah. at the end, but they go cholo feet, papa you know like <laughs> all right i'm like all right homie, that's what's up. you know thank you like, hey. <laughs> no but but uh you know I, that was when i discovered the world and then going to miami and all that and seeing mm-hmm. the all the inner beef dog which is sad amongst yeah you know the Cubans hating Mexicans, Venezuelans yeah. hating, da the da, da, Colombians hating. Da, da, da. And I'm like, "Really? Oh, really? That's that's what we're doing?" Like and and you know, and then you got the the man over here or the the you know, the being like, "Yep, there they go. They just they just divide each other on their own, you know?" And it's Exactly. <laughs> it's yeah, so sad, bro. Worst enemy.
3: Yeah, it it, <laughs> it really is, baby. <laughs> Cuz shit is rough out here. And it could be a lot easier if we actually stop doing the nonsense. Man, I'm I'm loving everything, dude. I got I got a, a few more questions I want to get into um But let's just pause for a second, though. We got to we got to take a quick break and then we'll be right back.
0: I love sharing positive tips with my listeners on everything from health challenges to relationship troubles, because life happens, baby. But you got this. Hi, there. I'm Honey German, and I know we can all use some positive energy these days. That's why I make sure to empower my community, because a bit of motivation and support can go a long way. And luckily, we have State Farm to support us.
3: Uh, We are back. Now, what, what you were kind of saying I wanted to get back to was like you said in 2017, was it TBS that you the original show idea was was a uh, pitch to?
4: Uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, th- that show was, was uh, I'm in a sketch group called The Dress Up Gang. And uh, we had we had a show called My Roommate, My Friend. And it was like it's dry, subtle humor, like mm-hmm. a little bit weird. I, like, I love it, man. We got like some viral videos out there. One's called Cute House. Mm-hmm. And there's another one called Frankie in the Water that that recently went, went viral and it's about me in the pool drinking beers and everybody thinks I peed in the pool, but it's a mystery, <laughs> and, you know, but, uh, but yeah, if you just go to the dressupgang.com, all that's there. And, uh, but we, we, we got the opportunity to make a show, man, 10 episodes. And that yeah. was the game changer. Like, uh, I, we had already, that was like, I was delivering a sandwich that day. You know, I'm like 35, 36 years old, still like yeah. busting tables, just trying to make it to the next gig. You know, I don't, I was always sure. getting fired from restaurants. because oh, I was request days off for, for comedy. And mm-hmm. then that, that day, uh, we had, you know, that we sold that pilot. They called me, I was, uh, I tell this story a lot, but I was like, that was a day that, that, uh, the last time I did anything else for money, uh, was that mm. day and I was delivering a sandwich. They called me, they like, dude, we sold the show. They want 10 episodes. I I started crying and shit. I mm. almost didn't deliver the sandwich. I almost just ate that motherfucker, you know, but then I, <laughs> I, I I delivered it dog to this this white college kid in uh, UCLA. I mean, not that his race had anything to do with it, but it did a little right. bit for me at that time. You know what I'm <laughs> <laughs> And I told that little white homie, I said, "Bro, you're my last delivery." You know, we just sold the show to TBS, and he yeah, he didn't believe me at all. Of course, He just right. okay, good. Yeah. And then I I went in the car and called my mom, and I was crying and shit. And then uh, and then like hmm. a month later after that is when Cholo fit went viral. So it was already shit was already happening. And wow. then, uh, yeah, we just got to work on that. But even, when, you know, and that's when I started learning about the industry because a merger—they yeah. gave us a premiere day, everything. And a, like a, there was an yeah. AT Time Warner merger that happened, and mm-hmm. they got rid of the people that developed our show and helped make it. They all yeah. moved to other companies. Mm. Um, they shelved like four shows, and ours was one of them. And they just—they never premiered it. Nothing. I mean, we made all wow. ten episodes. Crazy dog. Wow. That sounds like. Yeah, y'all motherfuckers got that much money where you could pay for this, I know. Song, just be like, oh, you know what? Let's just put this aside for a little bit here. Uh, you know, it's just like, oh, and we're like on this emotional roller coaster. Like, oh, our lives are right. changing. And da, da, da. Like, oh, we had a Yeah. Dude, <laughs> it was crazy. But that,
3: like, that that's, it, it's, that's such a, like, typical story of the industry that nobody ever hears and you rarely get, really gets talked about, right? Because there are so many people who have, like, development deals or you know get to shoot a pilot that never ends up getting anywhere beyond the pilot and then you shoot off fucking 10 episodes and it just gets shelved right like i think Mm -hmm. people don't recognize like how difficult it is to get from the idea to the day that it actually airs on tv like i swear i have ptsd from like i never celebrate an opportunity until like the shit is tangibly in front of (sighs) me i don't want to tell anybody about it because I have that anxiety of so many times like just getting let down at the last minute, you know, like think about about that a little bit, bro. Like what was that feeling where you're just like telling everybody about it and and you're all gassed up, you're shooting the show and then (laughs) you can never share it with anybody essentially like on a public uh, outing like that.
4: Yeah. I mean, it was, oh man, it hurt though, you know, because everybody, you know, it was all getting hot, especially just for people that. With me, or like on my social media, I'm like, Oh, yeah, we're sure. there. What do you feel me? We're filming this show, y'all coming out in December, yeah. And then for it to be not, it's just like it was embarrassing, really, because they're like, Oh, bro, yeah. what happened? You know, it was like, but you know, I was still grateful because, like, you know, we still got paid and still work, but but to your point, though. Like I learned real quick, like that whole there's a lot of people that blow a lot of smoke up your ass in this industry, like, mm-hmm. oh god, oh my God, we love everything you're doing. We're gonna do this <laughs> and we're gonna get fucking John Leguizamo and da-da-da, and all these people <laughs> and we're gonna do this project. And you're like, what? And you eat it up in the beginning. You're like, yeah. oh shit, dog, it, it happened. You know, I got my yeah. you got my shit. and then, you know, it just turns into nothing, homie. It's just all and so it's like you said, I like even now, like when I film shit. I don't yeah. get excited about it until I see it on the TV. Like, all right, cool, right. there it is. Because like, it's like that. You you get you get your fucking you get your heart broken all the time in this fucking industry. I'm sure with music too. hobby it's just like yeah. You know that now you now is you get as it happens and you get tainted a little bit. You, yeah, you kind of harden up and you know how to you you get better at navigating your way around that shit. You know what I mean? Where it's like, all right, you know you know you know how to protect yourself better and and who to surround yourself with and who to, who you can see straight through and, and who's like, you know, who's just bullshitting and who's about some real shit. And in the end, you find your tribe. And because we're artists, homie, we just want to make dope yeah. shit for people. Right. I'm just trying to get to the people. I'm just trying to make people laugh genuinely in my heart. Like, I'm like, we're all going to die one day, homie. I got one life to live here. I, if I yeah. can make as many people laugh as I can, like, boom, that's my jam, homie. Like, the money mm. and all that is taking care of itself. Like, I'm not on some like, fuck that, I need to be number one, this and that. Like, I'm right. just trying to fucking... I'm trying to bring some joy in and it's, it's therapeutic to me personally at the same yeah. time, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, let's just, let's get it. <laughs> you know, it's like, and like, I don't no, care. I yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, you know, and then Latinos and all that. And I know like the theme of the show, it's like, but my parents were both uh, born here. You know, I mm-hmm. was born here and then we got to deal with all those struggles too. Like, you know, like yeah. we've talked about many times of like, Oh, you're not Latino enough. You're not Chicano enough. You're not Mexican. enough, right. Or you're a little too white. Or you're you're a little right. too Mexican, homie. Or you're a little too <laughs> Chicano. You're too and what the fuck? You know, like right. can I live or what? <laughs> right. Right.
3: Yeah. You're you're battling like so many like like you're you're finding it hard to be authentic, essentially, right? Because people just keep fucking telling you what you are or aren't at the end of the day, right? And you're just like, dude, I'm just trying to like exist and and yeah, exactly. and create some shit and and like not be unhappy in life. You know what I'm saying? And people people always wanna wanna interject their own ideas in there. But I mean like for for you, when that happens, was there a part of you that, like, internalizes it almost as, I'm not, maybe I'm not good enough, or, you know, like, if I was good enough, they would have then felt the need to air the show. Was there a part of you that ever internalized that, or you, were you kind of able to just be like, fuck it, on to the next thing?
4: Yeah, I mean, it sucked because we knew it was, it, you know, and it wasn't like a, it, it wasn't like my show, it was a group of us, you know, and sure. these folks were all white, I was the only Latino in the group. Yeah. And so, you know, I was pumped on that because I was, I was already, my character work was kind of already out there on the internet. So that's when I was able to, able to lean into like my shit. And then, you know, and then, and then with this other thing, I was able to show like my, you know, that I could be versatile, you know what I'm saying? Or that my taste in comedy was, you know, like the palette was, was, was big or whatever, whatever it was. And so. I mean, it was definitely discouraging as fuck, man, because it was like, damn, we poured our heart and souls into it. You know, you're doing the 12, 15 hour days. And then all of a sudden they just like, no, nah, we're going to put this shit on hold. And so that's why even when, you know, when when Cholo Fit went viral, my boy Chris Estrada is one of my best friends my, who plays Julio, a creator, co-star on uh, this full on mm-hmm. Hulu. A- at that time, he we were already homies, you know, when we were doing this TBS show and and and. You know, and I remember when I start, I I met him when he had just started doing stand up, and he already had like an old soul kind of vibe, but he mm. was my opener when I was touring, uh, mm. you know, uh, and so we went all around the nation. I'm doing Creeper and seeing where it would work and where it wouldn't, and where we were getting support at, and he was rocking with me that whole time for like uh a, about four years, and then mm. during during that time, you know, he started working on uh, this full with some longtime homies of mine, Matt, Pat, and Jake. And so I was I was able to share what I went through with, you know, the TBS show with him. So he was like, I'm like, you know, so we kind of always had our guard up on that end. Like, hey, man, this could all go to shit any second. But it, it like the way you can look at it is like, you know, because you, you get script deals and you get mm-hmm. pilot. there's so many dead scripts out there and dead pilots. Mm-hmm. But there you got to look at it. as like, OK, it's, it's work, homie. It's another job, mm-hmm. at least. Obviously, like, you always wanted to get it picked up. You wanted to go to the next level. But in the end, you know, it's a business and you just got to be grateful that, you know, you got that next check coming in, whatever it is. Um, It's just that, you know, you know, we're, we're with our group of people or our community. It's like we're, um, we're we constantly have to navigate around that whole thing. Like, um, mm-hmm. oh, am I am I not being la- Latino enough? Am I being too Latino? Or like, what what are these? White homies want that are gonna buy this shit. Hopefully, you know, like right. you know, it's like all, it's all that shit. Like, are we being too sp- like too specific? Is always like a, a term loosely used. Like, dog, I've I've yeah. gone to pitch shows, pitch shows like that are like yeah. straight up my Chicano upbringing, whatever it is. And sometimes these people that are taking these pitch meetings for these networks, like there could be a twenty-seven-year-old white girl from Idaho that just got this <laughs> executive job, and you're yeah. and I'm trying and they're like oh so what's a cholo? you know and i'm like oh, it's like <laughs> all right it's this and da, da, da. And then dog I'm no joke true story i was pitching, i don't want to say yeah. what network it was but sure. at the at the end of the pitch and i'm like being there like pouring my heart and soul out shooting for the moon to so the stars yeah you know like oh man this could be it i'm like bam here's my story here's what i want the show to be and at the end the yeah. girl's looking at me she's like wow this is really specific you know like <laughs> like that That was her response, dog. And then she's like, okay, we'll uh, get back to you. And I was like, fuck, (sighs) man. Like, how the fuck do you get past that, homie? You know what I mean? And like, and still feel like you're being true to yourself. And so in the end, man, that's what we did. We're just like, fuck it. Let's just keep doing us, man. And eventually, it'll, you know, hopefully it'll happen. Like, it's all we could do. Like, that's one of the things that I like about social media and all that stuff is Mm -hmm. it gives you an opportunity to get straight to the people, you know, just like, Mm -hmm. bam. And right. so it's like but in the end uh with the opportunity we got with the Hulu show it's like we're doing our shit man and people not only is our community uh you know uh you're watching it like we're getting r- good reviews and comments from these white publications and stuff like that mm-hmm. like this is a real re- well-written show it's grounded it's authentic it's funny as fuck like da 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 I'm like hell yeah homie so hopefully that not only helps us but you know other other homies that are trying to tell their spe- you know their specific stories you know but <laughs> no it <laughs>
3: definitely it definitely does bro because i can i uh i've been in a couple of those meetings as well and recently this fool gets mentioned now as like the success story and it it is i can tell you for a fact i can't be too specific right now either but um I was in a meeting recently about a project I'm working on and this fool gets mentioned as like, yeah, uh, this is kind of the the target mark now. Like we want you to do something how they're so authentic. We want you to be able to capture that same kind of authenticity. So like I can mm-hmm. tell you, I can promise you like, the work that you guys are doing is knocking down the door for, for all of us right now, like to be able to go into these mm-hmm. meetings and and them actually understand that like there can be success around a story. That is, you know, catered to a very specific uh, group of people, but the story itself can be universal and funny as long as it's well written, right? So I, I could tell you that right now and make sure I, I share that with you because it's just so dope
4: to, to be able to see right now. Oh, right on, man! Yeah, thanks for saying that, and and that's it's true because like, there's a lot of our stories, homies, you know, as as Latinos that get put on the put on the screen, and 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 some of them just, you know, there's a lot of them that kind of just they miss the mark, you know, and it's like, yeah. And it, it could be not at the fault of the creator. It's just that, you know, when all the steps it takes to get something on TV, a lot of hands get involved. A lot of cooks are right. in the kitchen and there's the network notes. And now, now that having experience in this uh, industry and how it works, sometimes I'll see some uh, something on TV and it's not good. I'll be like, damn, mm-hmm. that was probably a great idea in the beginning, but right. it probably got turned to shit by all the fucking <laughs> hands that got to get in there. And then sometimes we see our stuff on TV and I'm like, damn, you almost had it, but you just missed the mark. And it could be mm. something like the wardrobe, something as simple yeah. as that. Like, And so that was it was always important on, on the show is even down to the wardrobe, down to the everything like that. It felt authentic because to me, I'm like, if you can make a story or a character or, or the world of the show feel authentic, then I'm mm-hmm. I'm going to be drawn into it like, you know, that much more. And then you could kind of, you know, tell tell the story and, and take me on whatever ride after that, or the audience on whatever ride you want to do after that. And 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 it's so doable because where there's so many stories in the in the Latino community. You know what I'm saying? And it's like it's like it's it's endless almost. And if we just get better at uh, getting more of us experience in the background of it and the production of it, and not just having these like, you know. Uh, you know, white executives just throwing brown faces on the screen and, and, you know, mm-hmm. and they're writing the stories and trying to figure it out. Like, it's got to be more of us getting more experience and all the background stuff too. And then I think yeah. that I, being optimistic, I think that uh, it's going to get better for us, man. And then, like, you're going to see these more, uh, these stories coming from all types of different Latinos and, 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 uh, in them being beautiful and feeling authentic and, and for, it just reading for people across the board of all backgrounds being like, "Fuck yeah!" Like I didn't grow up like that, but I'm drawn mm-hmm. to it and I could relate. I'm finding ways to relate to it because da 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 da, you know. And it's just like if something's good, homie, and it's good, like it, you know, people are people of all backgrounds are gonna watch it. You know, it's just like because it's it's it sucks when it's like, oh, they canceled that show because it was da da da. Like even yeah. I've been like, they didn't cancel that show because it was too whatever. It just wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> but, and I'm not I'm not trying to talk shit on anybody. I'm always happy sure, to sure. see brown faces on TV. But you yeah. know, I just think we're gonna get better at telling our stories and and uh and I think it's gonna be good. There's gonna be more more and more opportunities for us.
3: Yeah. I, I, I definitely agree. I mean, let's let's talk about this fool a bit. I know you mentioned uh Chris Estrada, who is, you know, the co star and also uh a creator on the show. And I know I've seen him in the background of your Cholo Fit videos and things like that before I was like rewatching mm. some of it. I was like, damn, it's, it's beautiful to see you guys go back, you know, that far. And you talked about him, him opening, but like, you know, for your, for your comedy sets, when you're on tour, let's talk about how difficult it was to go from this fool, the idea to this fool being an actual show that got to be aired on, on Hulu. Like what, what was the process like? Was it easier than you
4: imagined? Was it
3: more difficult? Kind of break it down for us a little behind the scenes.
4: Oh man. Well, uh, well, what was funny is so, okay. So Chris was working on it and then a a friend of mine, Pat Bishop. So Matt, Pat and Jake are these dudes, uh, Matt Matt Eagle Branson, Pat Bishop, Jake Weissman, you know, the Jewish homies. They're, um, they're cool as fuck. And I've known them for 13 years, you know? And so, uh-huh. you know, it was like th- those guys, they had did a show called Corporate on Comedy Central. They did three seasons mm-hmm. of it. And they all used to do stand up also. So that's how we originally met. And then mm-hmm. they, with the thing with Chris is when you see him do stand up, like a t- little 10 minute set when he first started was like, you could see a show in it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so they approached him and they were like, oh, what's up? And then so, you know, Chris was like, hey, man, uh, you know, the homies, Pat, Matt and Jake, they they want to try to develop something. And I was like, fuck, yeah. And so they, they were always he was always, ch- you know, Chris was always chiming, chiming me in or out, you know, talk to Matt, Pat and Jake. And I was like, all right. You know, it took it's a long process, you know, and then they're just like working on developing the world out and all that stuff. And then and then they got uh, Fred Armisen on board and then hmm. Fred Armisen uh, took a liking to it and he went out. And pitched it with you know with the guys and helped sell it and so you know they got some offers and and even after it got picked up to do the pilot like chris was even like because he had never really acted before nothing you know he was just like Mm -hmm. oh he was like genuinely like oh who's gonna play julio you know Mm -hmm. and they're like you are you know and he's like oh shit but he got on his grind man he got an acting coach started taking acting classes and just he just went for it and then they were like, oh man, we don't know if we're going to have you in the writer's room or what character we'll have you, but we want want you to be involved in some capacity. I'm like, fuck yeah, man, let's do this. And so, it was, they were trying to go for a more on-the-nose character with Luis, like a, a bigger, mm. tougher-looking vato, like tatted up, yeah. like bigger than Chris, like just boom, yeah. like more like, like tough guy, you know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and they were, they were uh, having trouble casting that, that guy. So, eventually, like, it was a uh, a couple of the producers were like, man, let's have Frankie like read for it just to maybe, you know, figure this thing out. And I was like, all right. So I wasn't thinking nothing of I started reading for it. And then they were like, "Fuck, man, maybe we should, you know, maybe we should submit you to try to or try to, you know, see maybe you could be a, a contestant to get this, get the part, you know, because yeah. in the end, like in the end, like it was ABC Signature and Hulu, like they have mm-hmm. to approve everything. You know what I mean? It's not like sure. you could just be like, nah, this is who we want. So yeah. you have to convince them and they were not, I mean, they were not a, uh, you know, in their defense, I really didn't have anything crazy out there that could prove to them. Like they knew it. Like Chris was like, I knew I could do it. You know what I mean? Sure. Like that's who I grew up around. All my cousins were like that, like kind of, you know? Uh, so I was like, it took some, a lot of convincing. And they were, they were, they fought Chris and the producers until the very end. They were like, you know, we yeah. love Frankie, but we love Frankie, but we just don't see it. You know, we don't we don't see him uh, playing this role. And because, you know, sometimes comedians are like sketch comedy comedians will get right. like a rap for. They're like, like, we're not real actors, you know, right. like, no, oh, no, no. Well, he does sketch comedy. He's not a real actor. You know, and it's like and <laughs> you know, Bobby Lee always gets heated about that. So that's my boy, Bobby. He's like, what the fuck yeah. do they think we're doing when we're sketch acting? We're we're <laughs> acting. What the fuck? When we're doing sketch comedy. Right. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. do will be it. So. anyways it was it was basically like chris and and matt ingo and then and eventually pat and jake got on board and they and then uh jonathan groff who produced blackish and all that he's a he's a producer on the show too and he was like fuck yeah man he's like uh frankie's making this role more interesting he's bringing like a joe pesci vibe and once he Mm. said that and he convinced one of the just one exec at abc signature who still wasn't on board he was like I don't see it, but you guys haven't been wrong yet. So all right, we'll push for Frankie. And I end up getting the part and then boom, wow. homie, I was like, let's go. And we killed that shit. And then I got a spirit award nomination and all that. And, you know, yeah. so they all like call me to congratulate me. Even the people that like didn't see it, you know, they're like, right, right, oh, right, because you know it makes everybody look good. You know, they're like, of oh course. yeah, well, you know, their show. So, so I was like, I, you know, I was so grateful for the opportunity, man. And I, you know, I knew, I, you know, if it wasn't for them, I, you know, I probably would have been involved in the show somehow, but right. it might not have been as, as you know, one of the stars or whatever. So i'm like so grateful it worked out and then it's so you know it's and we're doing our shit like that's my family right there it's like mm-hmm. you know my my you know it's just like it's, it's everybody's proud of my family i was always grateful for any work i got any acting work sure. i had done some acting before but this one was like boom we're doing our shit you know like so it was like hell yeah it was cool yeah. man and,
3: and it's dope to me because you know you guys are like the new kids on, on the block, kind of, so to speak, right? When it when it comes to something like this, you're talking about Chris doesn't have any, you know, acting experience as a lead actor and, and they don't believe in your track record as an actor. But people, band, but, you know, you guys banding together and being like, yo, I think Frankie, you know, needs to be in this and we're not kind of budging on it. Like, I'm sure that had to be tough for them because, like you said, shows don't just get made overnight. Things get dropped right away without, you know, somebody blinking an eye. That had to be, you know, I, I don't know if you could speak for them, but I'm sure that had to be tough for them to kind of be like pushing that so hard, knowing that these things get taken away so easily
4: as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so they're I mean, now, you know, they're they're like I'm like so grateful to them, you know, to like yeah. Matt, Pat, Jake, Chris, like, man, the EPs, Jonathan Groff, Fred Armisen. I'm like, man, thank you guys for pushing for me. I'm like and they're like they <clears throat> they turn the tables like, homie, like, thank you. Like you made us look so good because. <laughs> We had to fight for you, and then now it worked out like it did, and now now the show's yeah. getting these nominations, and it's cause, and so they're like, you you helped us like elevate our shit. And I'm like, fuck on me, it just it's so dope, but it works out that way, you know. I know it's a few yeah. far between. I know it's kind of like catching lightning in a bottle sometimes. So I'm I'm just so grateful, man, to be like part of that, and it's like, you know, and then just like, you know, I'm just channeling so much of my family and that character, so it's just mm. like I think so what helps it feel so so grounded and dope but it's like yeah it's it's all very risky it's a very risky business and so uh, i'm glad it worked out in this case and then you know and being able to work like a a, you know emmy fucking winning actor like uh michael imperioli you know it's like Mm -hmm. i was like so nervous man to be able to work with him and then he (laughs) he he just like he helped me elevate my game in so many ways man just like he put the confidence in me you know because i was Mm. like oh fuck man like you know. Uh, uh, to you know, there's some dramatic scenes in there and da da da, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I got some, I got some that are just him and I, you know, and and he would just like, yo man, I thought you were classically trained. He was like, I told, he's like, I wow. told your boy Chris, I was like, oh, what what school did he go to? And Chris is like, he just stand up, man, and he he took some junior college acting classes back in the day, but <laughs> that was it, you know. And then I got an acting coach here and there, but it was yeah. mostly that. And he he was like, like what, you know? And so he just drilled into me. He's like dude don't ever doubt yourself like you got it like Mm. i've been doing that he was like i've been doing this shit a long time frankie and you got it he's like let's do this you know and so man so we've run scenes together do the thing and and he really just like helped my confidence just boom and so um yeah i I got mad love and and respect for that dude because he didn't have to do that you know to take those take his extra time to run lines with me and you know take me to the side and kind of game me up and and and, you know and boost me up and and give me words of encouragement he didn't have to do that and he did and you know and i think that's just shows the type of uh, person and character he is he's like and that's what added to the set he's like probably the biggest star on the set and nobody's Mm -hmm. a diva on that set nobody's like you know oh don't talk to me i need to stay in character (laughs) and just Bring my blue M and M's to my trailer, and that's it. You know, like there's no, there's none <laughs> yeah. of that shit going on. I mean, it's all it's all it's all family love. You know,
3: <laughs> that's
4: beautiful, man. I wanted to, I
3: I did want to ask too because I know you're you're talking about you base the character off of people in your own life, right? But I I do yeah. think anybody who might be a critic, and I think in general, with I guess anytime we represent our upbringing there is a fine line, I think, between where we could become a stereotype that it could go like a negative way, right? It becomes a negative uh, connotation towards what we're representing. How do you kind of right, walk right. that line? You know, because you're obviously, you're playing somebody who just got out of prison, you know what I mean? Who uh, mm-hmm. was involved in, in gangs and things like that, right? And and there is truth to a lot of that story for many people who grew up in certain areas, right? They had family that that, you know, was, involved in that lifestyle but then how do you tell it in a way that it doesn't become something that you know kind of pigeonholes us you know what i mean where a lot of people say oh white you know writers or or you know casting agents only want to see us in these types of roles like what is that balance that you tried right. to kind of find or all of you tried to find in telling this story
4: yeah i man i think it was mostly just going back to the authenticity of it like mm. we weren't we were just trying to like you know Cause Louis, like Chris has a cousin named Luis, you know, that's what it's based yeah. off. And then Chris knows my cousins who were always in and out of jail, you know, doing their thing. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, some are funny as fuck, but also like, you know, you'd be chilling at a barbecue with them and next day you hear they're in a high speed chase and now they're doing seven months or whatever. And it's Man. like, but wait, dog, he would just fucking, I was yeah. just kicking it. You know, <laughs> like whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. So, you know all those people where
3: you're like, they seem so cool to you. And then all of a sudden you hear they did some <laughs> wild shit. You're like, whoa, is that the same fucking person? It don't make no sense.
4: Yeah, I feel like, hey, dude, there's so many stories like that, homie. Like, damn, that <laughs> motherfucker, he, he did that? Like, he's cool right. as hell. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, man. But, yeah, it's like, man, it, it, to me, I was like, I know it's like, um, you know, especially when, when CholoFit first went viral. You know, I was yeah. getting a lot of that. Like, man, oh, he's it's a bad look. He's making fun of sure. us and da-da-da. And and uh I love when I get people that and it's happened so many times where people will be like, Oh man, you know what? I was hating on you, homie, at first. Like I thought you were just doing da-da-da. And then they were like, then I started really watching this shit and like, oh man, Creeper's like a real homie. Like he's been through shit and he's all spiritual, and like he yeah. really is about some some positive shit, you know. And I'm like, Yeah, dog. That's my dad. That's my father. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be like, like imitate something I don't know. You know, and and people mm-hmm. that really fuck with the character, they they you could obviously tell. Like, okay, yeah, he knows, like or whatever. It's like my dad was always Chuck Taylors, Dickies, always had a low rider. His best friend is my godfather, my Nino, president of the Car Club for 30 years. Like, I was always around that shit, but but around the positive side of it, like. He was mostly yeah. into low riding and just working, man, taking care of his kids. But he always just repped the Stilo, you know, fucking mm-hmm. always. He always creased his Dickies, creased his white tee, you know, he had his palm comb and his Tres Flores, the, the, you know, it's the pomade <laughs> they use. And, you know, he always had a low rider. He had a 65 Impala with a chain steering wheel, but always driving me to middle mm-hmm. League practice, always being a great father, man. And just yeah. but just re- repping that Cholo stees and just being like, hey, mijo, like. Lead with gratitude, treat people with respect and work hard. All right. You always work. He always made me work, do chores, everything. Go to the mm-hmm. park, hit me ground balls. Good ass dad, homie. Like just cholo as fuck, but one of the most positive people I know. And that's where creeper mm-hmm. comes from. You know what I'm saying? And so when people get to know me and they fuck with me, they know that I'm not trying to be like, hey, look at how we are. and <laughs> Like, you know, hey, cachi, cachi. we're Latinos. We like tacos. Yeah. And hey, I'm going to throw a tortilla at you if you're stupid. Full you know, it's like, yeah, there's all that shit, too. And all that over the top slapstick shit—that could be—that's funny too, you know. But, but it's like, uh, but I think people that really fuck with it and know it—that's that's that's why they're gravitated towards it because they could sense that it comes from a real place. And that's the same with, uh, with Luis. You know, Luis is, man. I was calling. I was spending more time with my family, cousins, preparing for this role, constantly going back and forth with with Chris. I was, you know, Facetiming Mm -hmm. with his cousin. You know, like I we really dove into the shit, and then. Once we started filming, you know, you're doing the 12, 15 hour days and they have to put the tattoos on me. So I got to be there. Like, you know, my call time tomorrow is uh, I got to be there at 4.45 a.m. You know what I'm saying? And hmm. so it's like I got to lay there, get the things on. And so I'm Luis all day. And then when I go home, I just go right to bed and I wake up. So I just stay as this motherfucker. Like I'm at the crib. <laughs> you know, I live by myself. So I'm just like I'm even my thoughts are like I'm thinking as Luis. <laughs> you know, and I just yeah. I stay as that. It gets a little weird sometimes because I'll be, kind of lose myself a little bit, but <laughs> but uh but in the end, man, it's like fuck it, man. Let's just let's just be this motherfucker until we bang this shit out, and then uh yeah yeah I, I you know I think it shows and it's a lot of fun, man. It's cool, you know. Sometimes it's therapeutic for me because you know I battle with my shit too, fucking you sure. know depression, anxiety, childhood trauma, and sometimes when I could become somebody else, like I think that's part of the reason I'm so good at character work is because. You know, you get to float out of yourself for that time, and then not mm-hmm. only does it help your soul, but you're bringing joy and laughter to a lot of people who you don't even know what they're going through. You never know what somebody's going through. You know, you walk by somebody on the street, they could have yeah. just lost a loved one, or something you don't fucking know, homie. So it's like when when you see somebody smile or laugh, like you know, that's good. That's good, and that you could be a part of that. It's like damn, that shit's overwhelming sometimes, homie. It's that shit really is medicine. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no, bro, that's that as beautiful and
3: one thing that you said that i want to make sure we kind of like really fucking dive in on is like you're talking about your your father meeting the like physical stereotypes as far as the way he dressed and the car that he drove right of this connotation but actually he's pushing back against all of that bullshit that society tries to say about like mexicans from la right that negative connotation where he's like because i just think as as Latinos here in America, we're often taught like if we want to be taken seriously, if we want to have a good life, if we want to be of sound character, uh, a good citizen, we have to kind of um, discard all of the ethnic things that that you know we grew up on, right, so that we can be taken yeah. seriously, right? You know what I mean, like so we can be viewed as like a a good father figure, right? And we have to adapt what like white people have dictated is the norm, you know, the suit and all that mm-hmm. bullshit, right? But but actually, by you. Sticking to to that as far as the the physical appearance and and doing a, uh, a character like Creeper who looks the part of what some people might view as like a stereotypical gang member from L.A. in the Mexican community, but he's actually showing you that there's so much to this community. Right, we're not just one thing. We can mm-hmm. uh, you know wear the traditional things that that feel like represent us and make us feel comfortable as a part of our community as our culture. And we then also don't have to feed into any of the negative bullshit. Right. And again, these are tropes that only are assigned to us as as people of color, where like if we dress a certain way, um, you know, now we're considered ghetto or whatever. But meanwhile, real housewives of Beverly Hills could be wearing an off white sweatsuit and nobody bats an eye about it. Right. But like, yeah, you yeah know, we- <laughs> uh, a, a black person in a sweatsuit is like, oh, my God, like that's so unprofessional. They can't come into this uh, nightclub establishment like that. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. I, I think even just talking to him, realizing like, yeah, you're actually doing the work of pushing back against it. And yeah, it's in a funny way. And yeah, the way he's speaking um, maybe is, is somewhat stereotypical, but he's also like showing you a different side to someone who looks like that. And maybe that changes somebody's perception when they see somebody in a low rider with the, you know, the Dickies and the high socks that they won't immediately go to judge them as, you know, this
4: stereotype that the media has pushed down our throats. Right, right. Yeah. You nailed it, man, exactly. It's just like showing that other side, you know, it's not just like mm-hmm. one dimension like nah, they like they're dressed like that. They must definitely live like this or whatever. Right, it's like right, you know what I mean? It's like it's a uh, it's like you said, and unfortunately, it's like just you know, people of our color community mm-hmm. or whatever that we're the ones that have to answer those questions, you know, not the yeah, you know the white dude. You know, wearing a cowboy hat, it's like, oh, you must, you know, you must have guns and shoot people. And right. it's like, you know, like, <laughs> like, no, that's just an all-American uh, guy there. You know, it's like,
3: right. Uh, <laughs> no, It's true. It's totally true, man. I'm loving this. Let's um, let's just take a little pause. Though we'll take one more break here and then we'll be right back.
0: I love sharing positive tips with my listeners on everything from health challenges to relationship troubles. Because life happens, baby, but you got this. Hi there, I'm Honey German, and I know we can all use some positive energy these days. That's why I make sure to empower my community, because a bit of motivation and support can go a long way. And luckily, we have State Farm to support us. Like when you talk to a State Farm agent to choose the coverage you need, and they have the options to protect the things you value most. It's the perfect positive tip you need. State Farm is also a big supporter of the My Cultura podcast network where we as podcast hosts get to share our experiences and stories. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite My Cultura shows wherever you listen to podcasts.
5: Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for The Everyday Guy, Dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.
1: Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year Uh, we are
3: back. So last thing I want to ask you, because I, I, I find this to be the most fascinating part about your story, is 35 years old, still down and out, delivering sandwiches, sleeping on a couch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, most people are fucking giving up on the dream well before then. A, what kept you going, but also coming from, you know um a a a latin family like what the fuck do they think of what you were doing at that point in your life yeah. like give me just take me to take me to frankie at 35 years old who was still trying to figure it out
4: oh man yeah it was uh yeah my self-esteem wasn't the best man but honestly <laughs> i was like i was grateful like you know i hadn't got anybody pregnant i didn't have any kids mm-hmm. or stuff like that mm-hmm. so so i really had a only worry about wiping my own ass as far as that goes you know but yeah but you know and i had my homie was just like yeah man you could crash in my leg he believed in me too you know he was like give me 200 bucks mm. a month i just had to give him 200 bucks a month he had to pay my cell phone bill and all that and i would just get gig to gig you know and some months i would have good months in comedy you know and i'd be like oh hell yeah i made a couple grand this month or whatever just off yeah. comedy but then the next month that wouldn't be the case or you know it was, it was inconsistent when you start kind of Making it, right. it's very inconsistent. But for a while there, man, I was like the sin side of the family, which is like the black sheep, you know. Just like, <laughs> yeah, you know. And it's like, fuck, man. And uh, my mom and dad though, they always had stand up on in the house and comedy,
3: mm.
4: old school funk music, rancheras, all this music, and and you know, uh, and comedy, homie. We watch a Living Color religiously. We watch like, you know, they what let you let me watch Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy. Uh, mm. you know George Carlin, fucking, you know all these, all all these OGs, man. They they love stand up. When when they were dating, they would go to like the comedy store and the Hollywood Improv, mm. and you know, and and they they were about it like that. So, so they weren't uh, surprised. And just and them, I saw them like make something happen from nothing. You know, like mm-hmm. they. My mom, you know, grew up in the projects, and my dad grew up around the corner. And then we used to live in a one bedroom apartment in the San Fernando Valley out here in LA. And, um, but, but they grinded, grinded, homie. Oh, we always had everything we needed, food on the table, roof mm-hmm. over our head. And, and then they just were good, good parents, you know, just like disciplining them, you know, they used to beat the shit out of us, but who didn't back in the day, you know what I'm saying? So it was <laughs> right. like, a fact. and so, you know, and then they, and then, you know, eventually they moved us to the suburbs and it was like, you know, it, it was. It was, we weren't like balling, but it just wasn't the hood anymore. You know what I'm saying? It was like, you know, there's fucking, uh, there's white dudes rollerblading and shit. Like, oh shit, hell yeah. (laughs) You know, we still had, we had a black family next to us, Chinese family, Filipinos, a couple other Mexicans. And, you know, we'd be like, hell yeah, what's up? And then it was white people, you know, so it was like, they made that happen. And my dad's still cruising, you know, working on his lowrider in the driveway and shit. (laughs) And the white people driving by, like, okay, there's the Mexicans, you know, like, and so, but they always kept it real, man. And they they, you know, even then they they were always in over their heads trying to provide better opportunities for us. We were always getting our fucking water turned off or power turned off mm-hmm. because they couldn't afford that house. But they were like, fuck it, we're gonna make it happen. We're gonna make it happen. And right, so right. I saw that drive and just them and how the power of humor would get them through like the toughest times, man. Like mm. I remember, I still get like emotional about it, but I remember like walking in on them in the living room and they're crying and they didn't want to tell me why. And it was because they didn't know how they were gonna fucking get the next meal for us to pay the next bill they're so Mm. stressed out you know and they didn't have to go through that man we could have stayed in that one bedroom apartment but they wanted a better life for us and so so to like and they and they made it happen homie they they worked their way up they ended up starting their own business doing it so i was like fuck man they did it i could do it and do this and but there was like that window though Mm -hmm. nobody wants to see their 35 year old son that they worked hard to Right. You know, I I graduated from college and I was the first one on both sides of my family and I have a big ass mm. family, homie. First one on both sides of my family graduated from college and so they, you know, yeah. they were like, come on, mijo. Come on, mijo. You know, we did all yeah. this for you but I was like, but they also were like, fuck, oh, he's always been a, a payaso. You know, he's I was always getting in, you know, tr- tr- class clown, all that shit and, right. and they're the right. ones that fucking always had stand-up on. So they yeah. were like, fuck, they, they they wanted me to pursue my dreams, but also like, ah, oh, come on, mijo, like get a real job mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so, but I was like, it went at that time when I, sorry, I'm rambling already. But No, I, you're good, bro. When I was like, you know, I'm fucking mid thirties, homie, sleeping on my homie's couch. And just like, yeah. they were worried. They were very worried about me. Of course. You know, naturally. And so, but it, it honestly, homie, like deep down, I was like, all right, if I could just, if I could get to a point, and I started getting there where I was like, okay, I'm starting to make whatever consistently make, you know, 1500, two grand a month doing mm-hmm. comedy. I was like, all right, man, if I could just get there, like I didn't need, I wasn't like trying to be like, if you get in it and you're like, what do I need to do to be famous or da da da? Like yeah. you're going to, you might make it there, but it's going to be a short career. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, right. like, in my opinion, I don't know, but everybody has a different path. Sure. But, uh, but I was like, I really was on some shit where I'm like, not, nah, this is why I'm here. Like on this earth, if mm-hmm. I die trying to do this shit I'm um, this is what it's gonna be because mm. this is what i feel like god put me here for whatever it is i'm like i have to do this homie or else i'm not gonna be right in the head like i'm gonna get you know go through some shit and so so i just i don't know i stuck with it man and then eventually i got to a point where um you know i just i started to see the light at the end of the tunnel you know like oh shit homie it's gonna pop off you know and so and then I started kind of reasoning with myself. I'm like, well, damn, homie, it kind of takes 10 years in any profession to really make it. You sure. know what I mean, you want to become yeah. a lawyer, you want to become a doctor. That's just going to take you 10 years, homie, all the school, right. and all that. And
1: yeah. so I
4: was like, all right, fuck it. Like, so, you know, because I was already had already been doing it 10 years. And I'm like, all right, man, hopefully it pops out soon. And then I started I started kind of seeing the results. And then I remember, uh, you know, I was still busting tables. And then I got, you know, I got a we got an opportunity to make some, some digital, whatever, like a a digital platform to do videos and stuff. And then, so we did a video called Cholo Whisper. And then we, we did that back in like, I don't know, it was fucking 2012 or 13 anyway. And we read, we remade it. And that's when Creeper gets rescued from the CRS, the Cholo Rescue Services. (laughs) And then that one got like half a million views. People are like, you got to make a part two. And so I was like, well, what's, going to be the next step. And he was already kind of doing some yard workouts in the backyard. And so we did, I was like, I know he could teach a workout class in the backyard. He's going to have trouble getting a job, but he could teach a workout class in the backyard. Right. And then we just did Cholo fit. And most of it was like kind of improv on the spot. We put that out and then it, it was like wildfire, homie. We literally like posted it. Mm. We saw I was doing yeah. good, went to sleep, woke up, and it was just like all the inboxes exploding, all the things and getting yeah. messages from Australia and Thailand. And I was like, what the fuck, homie? And that's yeah. when it changed. But I was like, there it is, homie. Like, I didn't know what was going to pop out for me. I just believed that it was going to happen one day. And and, it, and if not, then I was like, I was already feeling good enough. Like, all right, I'm like, fuck it, man. If I can get to a point where I'm making three, four grand a month doing comedy, mm-hmm. like, I made it. You know what I'm saying? Right. And then, yeah. But now, you know, obviously that it got, it, it just, it just kept going. And I, I honestly feel it just because I, I had good family. I had good support. And you know, you meet a lot of comics or whatever that are funny as fuck. You're like, damn, man, how come you anything? And it's because like, oh, you see like, oh, shit. You know, they got baby mama drama or, da, 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 or like mm-hmm. these other things mm-hmm. that, to take their time and energy, sucking their time and energy out of them. That wasn't that. So I was grateful that, you know, the only responsibility I had was to, to take care of myself and then and then do that. And then now and to have that support. Not everybody has that, you know, what I'm saying like to have the, yeah. to have a. Uh, mom and dad and mom and dad are still married still together still rocking and to have them like you know supporting you like that and to be cool as fuck and to be the homies and then uh to surround yourself with with good people and, and to not get caught up in the bullshit man because you know how it is homie in this industry yeah people you'd be surrounded by yes men and next thing you know everybody's gone and you're there by yourself Yep. and you, and what happened? You said you were the shit and you were the top dog and da da da. And right. Now you got nothing because you fed into all the fake shit, you know what I'm saying? And so yeah. I'm grateful that I got that experience where sleeping on my oh. homie's couch in my 30s, being broke, you know, sleeping, with,
2: mm-hmm.
4: you know, and, and, you know, getting paid with Taco Bell and, and you know, paying those dues and because, you know, it, it, you have to be humble then, and when I was, like, two years in, I was like, oh, shit, I, I'm about to blow up, homie. Like, it's <laughs> about to be cracking. <laughs> and then you realize that, nah, homie, that's not how it works. It's a marathon, and you got to work for it, you know? So, yeah, so yeah. yeah. I, anyways, man, sorry, I rambled on, but I would say, I, yeah, I was just like, I just, th- even though I was going through tough time and, and scraping by and, and not feeling the best about myself, sleeping on my homie's couch and shit like that, deep down in in, in, in my soul and in my heart, I knew I was like, I was like, I could be the most insecure motherfucker, but one thing I believe in is is mm. my ability to entertain. You know what I'm saying? And so I just had to run with that and believe in it with all my heart. And uh, gracias a Dios, homie, it got me here. So, <laughs> so yeah, hopefully bro, it'll that's for a little bit longer.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, dude, I think I think that's so inspiring just because. You didn't set your sight on all that comes along with the art. You actually focus on the art itself, right? Like you focus on how do I be great at this fucking thing? And like, I think the idea of like, I'm not trying to be the most famous person in the world. I just want to honestly be able to just do the thing that I love doing and be able to eat, right? Like at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, if I can do that, I'm good. And I think that that leads you to the discipline that you're talking about, right? Not getting caught up in the fucking lifestyle of, you know, being out here partying all the time and you're meeting Hollywood people and, you know, getting invited to this and that and getting lost and wrapped up and, and focusing your time on, on the shit that actually doesn't really do much for you. It just kind of pats your, your ego, you know? Mm. Um, and, and man, that's just, that's beautiful. I, I commend you. And I, I, I resonate with it so much because I probably just got stable like two years ago. I'm 35 now. So for okay. me, this was a really long journey of just fucking being in it and trying whatever. And, just you know, whatever got me to the next month, you know what I mean. That's what I had to do, and um, and yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have it any other way. Now that I, I think about it in retrospect, similar to, to what you're saying, man. But bro, I really appreciate you, man. I, I've loved having this this convo. It's been a pleasure to get to to meet you and, and hear your story. Um, I know we got season two of uh of this fool, right? You guys are in the midst of uh, starting to film that. Um, yeah. anything else you want to push people to that you're you're working on they should know about?
4: Yeah, well, I got a. A podcast. It's on, you know, it's on iHeart also, uh, but mm-hmm. uh, on Will Ferrell's network, the Big Money Players, but it's called the Frankie Kinona Show, and it's like uh mostly like sketches, like scripted sketches where I do voices, characters, a lot of creeper in there and and stuff like that. But yeah, you just go to Show dot com or wherever you listen to podcasts, and then uh yeah, homie, we got that uh that season two, and then after we we're in the, we just we're in the third week right now. And uh, hmm. I'm really excited about it, man. We go, we're going all out this second season, so <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. Please be on the lookout for that, and then uh, you know, and then I'll, I'll be hit, hitting the road and touring starting in uh, May. So yeah, just check that out, frankiecanonas.com. And thanks for having me, man. That was a great conversation. Yes, you asked a lot of good questions. I'm like, you know, sometimes you get hit with <laughs> questions. You're like, oh man, we're talking about this again. But you know, <laughs> Yeah, great, man. Good good vibe and good conversation, bro. Thank you so much. No, I appreciate you, my bro. It's been a pleasure. Right on, right on. Man, big shout out to my guest this week, Frankie
3: Quinones, for hopping on. I hope that you loved that conversation as, as much as, you know, I did getting to to have it with him. Uh, I, I really was just like, man, I don't want to say pleasantly surprised because I think everybody has a, a story to tell. But um, Frankie is just super down to earth. And I think that the conversation, you know, went, beyond even my my greatest um, you know expectation what it could have been you know uh, we really I feel like got to see the the person behind all these crazy characters and got to really hear his story and I know that for me afterwards I just felt super inspired and especially with just how crazy I've been working recently and like how my anxiety has been acting up on me and, and depression a bit um, I definitely felt like a little bit of relief after after this conversation so I hope that it, it provided some of that that for, for you guys. Um, now, this conversation did go a little longer than expected. So no ask a gringo for today's show. I know I'm slacking uh, definitely for our Thursday trends. We'll get into it. So without further ado, let's kind of tie everything we talked about today in a neat little bow in a segment we call Conclusion Stew. But first, let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back.
0: I love sharing positive tips with my listeners on everything from health challenges to relationship troubles. Because life happens, baby, but you got this. Hi there, I'm Honey German, and I know we can all use some positive energy these days. That's why I make sure to empower my community, because a bit of motivation and support can go a long way. And luckily, we have State Farm to support us. Like when you talk to a State Farm agent to choose the coverage you need, and they have the options to protect the things you value most. It's the perfect positive tip you need. State Farm is also a big supporter of the My Cultura podcast network where we as podcast hosts get to share our experiences and stories. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite My Cultura shows wherever you listen to podcasts.
5: Okay, I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for The Everyday Guy. dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make
2: it count. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com.
3: I, I don't know really where to to kind of summarize. I feel like we hit on so many different fucking things in that conversation with Frankie. Big shout out to him. Go check out this fool if you haven't yet. But, you know, I, I think for me, one of the big takeaways was him being so honest about where he was at the age of 35, which I think for many people is well past the point where they would have given up on their dreams. And, and I'm sure many people um, listening to this have or felt like they should or, um, you know, if you're younger, you're you're. Looking at your 30s and saying, "Man, I can't, I can't keep trying to make something happen once I hit 30." Or if you're like me, um, like I said, I, I just, you know, got stable in my life probably two years ago. So, and I'm 35 now, and and that resonates for me so much. You know, his story of just like the the grind that it, it takes to to get here. Um, but but I I just hope that that inspires anybody listening. Like, of course, 35 doesn't mean your life is over, but societal standards like to tell us that we should have this by that point right we should have the house we should have the marriage the kid the car whatever it is that's what society tells us and i think when you hear people like frankie speak so honestly about the fact that it took them a while to find their footing and to find the success that they had been searching for but that they refused to give up you know because they they knew it was their purpose their calling and they just kept putting in the work and stayed focused and kept making the sacrifices needed um you know i think that's just a testament to to you know man Never giving up and, and to continue chasing after the thing that speaks to you. And even it means that you have to do it, you know, um, on the weekends or at night because you got a, a family to provide for and you got to, you know, you got to do your nine to five stuff. That's understandable. But like, do not give up on yourself. And even with him talking about doing the things um, that that he was doing, you know, with the understanding that like it wasn't about just getting rich and it wasn't even about getting rich at all it was the idea that this is what i love to do and i'm just focused on being able to make enough money that i get to do this on a regular basis right that's the the ultimate dream the excess of wealth or fame or whatever that's all extras but you know the ultimate dream the ultimate goal should be that you get to do the very thing that you love to do every day and and that you get to you know uh provide for yourself and and the people around you doing so right again everything else is the the extras and and even him talking about just being dedicated to his craft and um and working at it, you know, not giving up and, and all of the above. I just think is a testament to so many man. I don't know, just fucking inspirational. I'm really inspired by by hearing that without a doubt. And I also think like the conversation about his dad, right, looking the part of what somebody might call a stereotypical kind of like uh, cholo and all the negative connotations that come along with it, but him sort of. Uh, being able to be someone who breaks out of that, right? And that we don't have to change who we are, don't have to change the things that we like or the things from our culture or our community just to fit into society's idea of what somebody who is successful looks like or what being a good dad looks like or being an upstanding member of society, you know, whatever that fucking looks like. Like, you can do all of that while not having to sacrifice your authenticity in the process. And to me, that's like the big takeaway um, from this conversation as well. And And even, you know, it's something that he's living with the character that he's playing in, in this fool and them writing this show as a whole, I just think is a testament to that. You know, you don't have to change who you are to meet society's bullshit standards. You know, we can we can break out of these dumb stereotypes that have been set for us while still uh, maintaining an attachment to our culture, and we don't need to, you know, tap dance for for these uh, these white people who don't want to get it at the end of the day, um, or shit anybody who doesn't want to get it at the end of the day for that matter. And that's it, man. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. Again, big shout out to Frankie Quinones for hopping on the show. My book, Just Be, pre-order is available now, justbe.nyc. The Street Stalk. my second podcast, available right now, anywhere you find podcasts, Monday through Friday. And that's it, man. I'm done with the promo. I appreciate y'all. I will catch you on Thursday for our Thursday Trends episode. Until then, stay safe, and I'll talk to you soon. Peace. Life as a Gringo is a production of the Michael Tura Podcast Network and
2: iHeartRadio. Professional wrestling, like real life, is full of surprises. Hi, everyone. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. And it's no surprise I can talk wrestling all day, any day. Kind of like how state farm agents can talk insurance and help you choose the right coverage. When it comes to important insurance decisions, Let State Farm support you with the coverage you need backed with 24-7 support. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee.